Sunday are three stories from Mark 10, verses 32 through 50. They were on the road going to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. They were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. He took the twelve aside again and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. They will hand him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do? And he said to them, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to him, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. And Jesus said to them, Cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John, so Jesus called to them and said to them, you know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as the rulers lord over them, and the great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be the slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life for a ransom for many. They came to Jericho, and as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartholomeus, son of Timaeus, the blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling to you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for all the ways that you brought us together in this place. We pray that you'll make your purpose for our gathering clear to us. Inspire our hearts and minds. 
beyond this place we may get a sense of your presence going with us, leading us to serve you in all of the world. In Jesus' name. Our narrative story that comes from the middle part of Mark's Gospel is the, the very end of what's often referred to as the main teaching of Mark. There's a section in the middle that starts in chapter 8 and goes to chapter 10, and it is the sort of the summary of, of what Jesus' purpose is in teaching his followers. Now, there's other things he teaches along the way, but, but this section is bracketed by two very similar healings. Both healing of someone who is blind. Mark is a master storyteller. And while he also masters in brevity, he ties things together in ways that are sometimes very subtle and important for us to catch as we, as we read along. In chapter 8, the, this bracketed uh, teaching of Jesus is started with the healing of a blind man. And then we have the end with our healing of blind Bartimaeus today. But the first healing is sort of indicative of what the learning and teaching is for the disciples. It works a lot like Jesus teaching the disciples. It doesn't work the first time. In chapter 8 is this, this healing that's unusual. And all, Jesus heals in a variety of ways, so there's no like set way. But this is one of the uh, more unusual ones. Meets the blind man. The blind man asks to be healed, and he says, All right. Spits in his face, rubs the saliva in his eyes, and then looks at him, and then says, Okay, what do you see? And the blind man opens his eyes and says, I can see that people look like trees walking. And looks even more intently at him. Then he can see. And he can see clearly it's a miracle. It didn't take the first time. It's an interesting little detail. I wonder what a blind man, how does he know what trees walking looks like? But just saying, it's a, it's a weird story. It's a weird story. And it starts this three-part series of Jesus teaching the same thing to his disciples three times. Three times he tells them about what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to the authorities. I'm going to be beat and ridiculed, flogged, crucified, and die. I'm going to be killed. And three days later, I'm going to rise again. He tells them this three times. The first time he tells them is just, just them. Each time he sort of pulls them aside. The first time it's just them in a, in a room. And when he's done telling them this, Peter pulls him aside and chastises him and says, No, that's not the way it's supposed to be. The Messiah is not supposed to die. And Jesus gets right up in his face, rebukes him, and says, Get behind me, Satan. Pretty profound story, maybe. You remember hearing it. They don't get it at all. Especially Peter. That's the first time. Second time, they're, they're walking on the road and Jesus is teaching them this. He tells them the same thing. And then he, there's a crowd around them though and so he kind of gets drawn on ahead and, 
and the disciples start talking amongst themselves. And then they arrive to where they're going, and Jesus asks them, so what were you talking about while you were walking along the road? And they're silent because they're ashamed, because they were arguing over who was the greatest. The first response is Peter not believing him and wanting to chastise Jesus. The second time, the whole disciples, they, they take this as, they're so insecure, they just so don't get it. They start jockeying over, no, no, when it comes time, I'm going to be the one in charge. They're arguing over who's the greatest. They pointed out in our lessons this a couple weeks ago. Sounds like a debate stage, doesn't it? <laughs> and Jesus says, no, you don't get it. The third time he tells them, he tells them this as they're walking along, and they, again, they're, they're going along, and then James and John pull him aside after he tells them this, and that's our story today. James and John, when the other disciples can't hear, say, we want you to do something for us, whatever we ask. I can't imagine Jesus saying, did you hear what I just said? And James and John are like, yeah, yeah uh, disciples, lots and lots of pain, three days, resurrection guy. But we want to ask you a favor, though. <laughs> One person got it. <laughs> we want you to do whatever we ask you. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? an important question. And they say, we want to sit one on your left and one on your right when you come into your glory. And again, Jesus is like, are you not listening? You don't get it. Why would you ask that? Well, because when you come into your own and you're sitting on the throne, we want to be in charge. They want their own thing, their own glory, their own authority. They're not listening and getting there's still the blind man, and the healing hasn't taken yet. When the other disciples find out that this, overhear this part, they kind of up in arms, hey, 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 who do you think you are? Well, it's not a big surprise. In Mark 3, Jesus gives some, a couple of disciples some, some nicknames. When he calls the 12, well, you know, Peter, his name is Simon, but he calls him Peter on this rock. When he calls James and John to be one of the twelve, he says, but I'm going to call you the sons of thunder. Look it up, it's in chapter 3. It sounds like a pro wrestling name, doesn't it? So walking around the road, I can imagine him saying, hey, crash, boom, come on over here. Help me with this. Sons of thunder. Of course they want to be one on his left. Boom, boom. That's what they mean. Authority and power looks like, and glory. So when the other disciples hear this, they get all up uh, in arms against them, and, and Jesus says, "No, you don't get it. See, I know in the world you live in, the one with the biggest voice and the most obnoxious attitude gets to be in charge. It happens with the Pharisees, it happens with Romans, it happens with our politicians now, doesn't it? That's not the way I work." Those who want to be great must be the servant of those who are in need. Those who want to be the best must be the least. That's how I work. 
He says to James and John, and this is Mark's storytelling, he says to James and John, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? There's a place that that exact phrase is used again when Jesus is praying in the garden and he says, Lord, please, if there's any way that this cup can pass for me and I don't have to drink it, please. That becomes our sacramental language of the cup that we share. And he says, are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm, able, that I'm going to endure? And they say, sure we can. That's the same language of the heavens being opened. And the voice from heaven saying, this is my son, the beginning of Mark's story. Again, there's a big picture here that Mark is weaving together for us to see the significance of this story. The baptism in the cup become for us the things that we do, the things that we gather around to give us this, the food for the journey and the strength for our long faith. And then, as if to emphasize this point, they're walking along and they come to Jericho after they've just had this experiment in missing the point. And along the way, there's a blind man banging by the side of the road. Banging by the side of the road, and he's a name. Bartimaeus. He gets a name, and that's important. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he hears that Jesus is passing by. What? What's going on? What's, what's, what's happening? Jesus is coming. Jesus! 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 And the people around him say, shh! They're supposed to be seen out of our cup. And he gets more out of me! Please have mercy on me! And Jesus stops and says, call him over. People say, Jesus is calling you. And he goes stumbling off. Like, I imagine like a scarecrow with your off. Because he can't see, but he springs up, throws his cloak off, and runs to Jesus. Probably the wrong way first, and then he gets there. But you know. And Jesus says, What do you want me to do for you? Have mercy. Go in peace, your faith is healed. And you can see. No spit like the first one. No second try, just happens. And he doesn't go on his way. He comes on the way. We know his name is Barnabas because he becomes important. Because he won't go away. He follows the way. The very last words of our lesson. And from that point on, he followed on the way. The early Christians were called those who follow the way. He was the way. Jesus asks the blind man and the disciples and many others, what do you want me to do for you? Whether or not we get an answer to what we ask for depends on the law. That's important. See, James and John, their why was because they wanted glory and honor and power. But Bartimaeus wanted mercy so that he could follow. So now, this week, this the second week of Lent, as you are engaging in your Lent journey, I'm going to ask you to think about your why. Why? Why do you pray the prayers that you do? 
we pray, pray the prayers that we do? Is it self-serving? Or is it God-serving? I'm not going to pass judgment on your prayers. We all pray for mercy. We all pray for the things we want. We all say that. But the question of answering, the question of Jesus' response, Jesus' response to James and John is, well, you know what? I don't get to pick who's on my left and right, whatever that time happens. But you know what? You will be baptized with the baptism and drink the cup that I drink. But you're not going to get any glory for it. You'll have the suffering without the reward. Because the reward is not my part. The answer for us may be the same. So when we pray, we pray to, to God for healing for our loved ones, for ourselves. When we pray for our church and pray that we could attract more young families and rebuild the Sunday school again, why? Why, Henry? <laughs> Is it so that we can build up the institution so it was like it was before? Or is it so that we can make disciples in the world and raise children who know what it means to follow Jesus? When we pray for healing, is it because we want what God wants in the world or we want what we want in the world? This is hard. This is the hard work of being a follower of Jesus. Of, of really honestly asking, what is my why? What is the why behind my prayers? Are we praying for mercy so that we may follow? Or power that we may rule? This week I invite you to evaluate that in your own heart. Work this week in understanding what your why is and drawing closer in your prayers to your relationship with God. This week, this Lenten journey, 